We give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you. This is Adventure Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome, dear listener, to this promising session of the New Life Program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Maureen Komboka is on standby with the Family Life segment. Today, she'll talk about school days and sexuality. Sister Becky Ringa will also be joining us during the Bible session to talk about true fasting. Thika Main Choir will start us off with a song, Kwa Maombi. Enjoy. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Let us now give way to Maureen Komboka to talk about school days and sexuality. Be blessed. Dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. Today we are going to talk on the title, Sexuality, and our main topic will be School Days and Sexuality. I'm Maureen Kwamboka. Perhaps you have already experienced the beginning of school days. School days, they are old golden rule days for your child. Most parents feel a real tug of anxiety when they release their child to a new environment where they are no longer the primary caretaker for a good part of the day. You anticipate that your child will now be learning a good deal more than reading and writing, 
and arithmetic. You realize that other voices will now take on great importance for your child. Teachers will be seen as authorities. Schoolmates will have a large influence on your child's beliefs, feelings and behaviors. Kind of frightening, isn't it? Sexuality is one of the areas in which your child does receive a lot of conflicting messages. Since first impressions are more lasting and more impressive, you want to be the one that sets the tone for what your child takes in. In fact, one group of nine-year-old children were asked who they would like to have teach them about sexual things. They all say they would thought their parents should. They were then asked if they would ask their parents about something they wanted to know about sexuality. More than half of them said no, but listen to their reasons. It may surprise you. Sometimes they get very nervous when sex is mentioned. My dad will kill me if I asked about sexual intercourse. They will tell me I was too young to know. My mom says she'll tell me when I'm 13. My dad hasn't got time. He is always listening to TV and we are not allowed to talk then. You might be wondering what business a nine-year-old has wondering about sexual intercourse. Or why wouldn't a 13 be plenty old enough to tell a child about sexuality? Well, one American survey showed that in one area, 13-year-old girls were the fastest growing group of those becoming pregnant. And when sexual intercourse is mentioned freely in the media, why wouldn't a curious 9-year-old wonder what it was all about? You see, if every classmate or playmate your child interacts with has been told the same good story, we wouldn't have to be so concerned. But since we can't always insulate our children from other influences, nor would we even wish to, we must be prepared. When you share the story of sexuality with your child, and when that has been a positive experience, you can count on several things. Your child will see you as someone who knows about sexuality. You are seen as a resident expert. Now when they hear something at school that confuses, they'll have a place to come for information. Your being there first with the best gives a groundwork that will help them to be more selective. But the job isn't over yet. Remember the discussion about sex education not being a one-time shot, like an inoculation? You must keep refreshing and enlarging on the initial information. When your child does not bring questions, you can ask about what is happening at school in this way. Remember when you talked about saying a great big no? If anyone ever touches you in a wrong way, I was just wondering if this had ever happened to you or your friends. Some of these mothers have told me that there are nasty words written in their son's bathroom. Does this happen in your restroom? Some of the updating may be in reference to something they read or see on the news that has to do with contraception, teenage pregnancy, homosexuality or molestation, and incest. This provides an opportunity to tell your children about the difference sexual lifestyle that bound. You are the only one who can tell your child about these realities while explaining it in terms of your values. It is good to remind yourself, though, that even when God's will is disregarded in these sexual lifestyles, you must be careful to express anger and disgust at the sin, and not the sinner. That is God's way, too. Reading with our children is also helpful in sex education. This is certainly an absolutely not to take place of talking and explaining, but it can add another resource. It can help your child realize there are many good voices speaking out for good sexual behaviors. Reading is best done out loud together, 
This encourages questions and discussion. At this growth stage progresses, your child will be nearing pubescence, a stage which really frightens some parents. Children are threatening to become young women and young men. With all that implies, you will want to prepare your child to meet this stage with such ease as possible. Even under the most positive circumstances, it is not going to be easy. The many changes that take place are major. They include how one looks and how one feels. Let's look at some of these. Daughters begins to experience breast growth, a rounding of the hips and a growth spurt. Hormonal changes begin the menstrual process. Often, increased oil secretion of the skin and air causes problems with the self-image. While all of these physical changes are taking place, emotions are often on a roller coaster. Pity the parent, you see. Pity the daughter. Being inside of this body and this mind is no joke. Daughters need all the support and understanding that mothers and fathers can master. Menstruation, for instance, how frightening, especially if no one has explained the wonderful plan of turning little girls into women, and how sad if girls have been made to feel that this is an extra load to be borne by females, so green and bare. How much better to be told that this new life stage is preparing her for some of the greatest experience of life becoming a mother. She's an undergoing changes that will give her a power she has never had before. You, her parents, must help understand how important it is to learn all about this new potential. You can explain what God's plan for her sexual life is. To see all this as simply as a biological experience is to miss too much. When sexuality is treated merely physically, we open the way for our children to view sexuality as simply a physical endowment. More and more sexual authorities are now agreeing that sexuality must be seen in its entirety. It must be an emotional, intellectual, and spiritual bonding to provide all the components of good sexual health. Many girls have expressed their gratitude to their parents for making them beginning of menstruation a time of celebration and rejoicing. One young lady reported that her mother had asked her to allow her to be the very first one to know of this important event. When that time, when that time came, she woke her mother in the middle of the night with, Mom, I am a woman now, just like you are. They embraced each other in the dark and rocked each other's arms as they considered this miracle. The next day when she returned from school, there was a big banquet of red roses in her room with a card which read, Now there are two beautiful women in this home. Love, Dad. Does it surprise you that this young woman had no problems being sexually appropriate before marriage and fully responsive after marriage? How about your son? Yes, he goes through physical changes of major proportions too. He also goes through emotional jags. He has to get used to his whiskers, his Adam apple, and his voice change. He sometimes has to endure the teasing that goes with this. This will certainly not in your home, though. Let this be one place that spares this embarrassment and gives him support. He is also experiencing some sexual changes. He finds that he doesn't have control over his body as he used to. He can't seem to do anything about erections that surprise him and won't listen to reason. Sometimes he awakens to find that he has had a nocturnal emission or a wet dream. Can you imagine how frightening this could be with no prior preparation? Every boy deserves to be told about this possibility long before it happens. 
Another carriage is often carried out. When the emission does take place, he often sneaks his pajamas into the laundry. Mother pulls them out, realizes what happens, and washes and returns them to this drawer. She may even tell dad, who will probably smile and say, well, what do you know? Our kid is growing up, and that's it. If you could add to this story, what do you think would be ideal? How about mom saying, son, I noticed that you've started to have wet dream. This is great. It really is telling us that you are fast becoming a young man. We are going to have to be more respectful of your age and capabilities now. Don't expect a reply, but be assured is affected by your thoughtfulness in mentioning it. And especially in such a positive way. But this is not the end of the story. Let's envision you, his dad, coming into his room that night before he goes to sleep and saying, Son, son, your mother tells me that you have come to a new milestone, a really important one. I am proud of the young man you are becoming. I want you to know how special you are to me. You know, I think we should celebrate by going to a cricket or soccer or whatever game this week. How about it, man? During the next few weeks and months, you can begin to mention some of the special responsibilities of reaching this age. They can discuss what it means to be a real man. Dad can express confidence in his son's ability to make good sexual decisions. Thank you for listening. I've been your presenter, Maureen Komboka. We appreciate those who have given us the thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who have never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 4276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Here is a song, Majango Mazuri, by Thika Main Choir. Thank you. 
I hope that you've been looking forward to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Sister Becky Arunga. I rejoice in my heart for you have found time to study the word of God and delight in his presence. Surely in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. And I am your servant Becky Arunga, let us pray. Down at your feet, O Lord, is the most high place. In your presence, dear Father, we seek your face. For we know that there is no higher calling. Lord, there is no greater honor and to bow and listen unto you. For we are amazed at your goodness and embraced by your glory. Thus, Lord, we come daily to seek your face. I pray that you may give us understanding to study your word of truth and implement it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved, I want us to consider the Bible teaching us the story or the account of perseverance. And in regard to it, I want us to ask ourselves, what is your life story? As it is written down against your name, is it a story that you are proud of? Is it a story that can challenge someone, encourage them? Is it a story that the Lord delights to present even before the devil as a sure proof and testimony that you are righteous? and totally given to serving him. The book is Job, and it is chapter 1. Job chapter 1. This is the story of a man called Job, and the Bible says, There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Beloved, that is the introductory statement given unto us about this man Job. The Bible is liberal with descriptions when it comes to this man Job, in the sense that he is not only blameless, but also upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. I want us to look into our lives as a people. What is it that can be said about us? What is it that forms the introductory concepts of our biographies? Is it the exploits that we have achieved economically, socially, academically? Or do we have a position for God in our lives? Are we known as people of honor, of dignity and integrity? Or we are only known by our financial excellence and academic prowess? And the opening statement of Job is interesting in the sense that they saw his character before his possession. Before we are told of that which he owned, we are told of his character. His character speaks forth. His character and integrity precedes all that he ever had. We are told of his blameless nature. Then thereafter, we are to hear of the abundance in possession that he had. We are told of how much he feared God, of how much he shunned evil before 
we are told of that which he owns. It is sad that some of us usually define ourselves with our status first, then bring our character and personality later. But this is what Job is written of him. Verse 2, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Now chief, above his character, the immediate thing that follows is his family. In the sense that there is a high impression or rather high qualification attached to filial relations, attached to humanity as opposed to material possession. The introductory gives us the concept of Job, his personality, his character, where he comes from. But it does not stop at that. It goes ahead now after defining Job as a person. It tells us of the people around him, of his immediate family. We are told he had seven sons and three daughters. He had a total of ten children who are a gift and a blessing from God. I just love to ask and pose a question unto us, my dear listener. In our lives, where do we place our family? Is it close to us? Does it meet our attention immediately after us? Or we leave the things of this world that are perishing and shall lose their value to take precedence of our family? Do we sacrifice family time at the altar of employment, academic pursuits, and other things? Do we sacrifice the precious moment to be with wife, children, at the expense of other things? God is reminding us in the story of Job, after his personality of being a blameless and upright man who fears God and shunned evil, the next thing is we are introduced to his family. Once we have been introduced to his family, now we are told of that other material things that he had. It is recorded, also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Beloved, now finally we are told of the abundance in possession that he had. So a combination of his blamelessness, uprightness, fear of God, his shunning of evil, his family, and his possession that he had made him the greatest man in the East. Essentially, his greatness was not derived from his wealth. His greatness was not derived alone from his family. His greatness was derived from the fact that he feared God. And we know Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is, enables one to become great. Wisdom enables one to live a life worthy of the higher calling of faith. And so on account of Job's wisdom, he was able to put family first, his possession later, and thereafter we are told he was the greatest of the men in the East. Now why is this story of Job important in this regard? It is because when Job's life was put to the test, he lost the least, he started losing, he lost those things that were least in his life. The first things that he lost were his possessions. 
So had he attached greatness in his possessions, surely he might have not been able to live throughout the test. Then secondly, he lost his family. But at the end of the day, there was one thing that remained. He still remained blameless. He still remained upright. He still feared God and shunned evil. Beloved, what do we find from here? We find that our character is the only thing that remains when all has been taken away. That which makes us human beings is how we have perfected our character to be like that of Jesus. When Job had been severely tested, this one thing remained in his tongue. Job 1 verse 21. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is the concluding statement of his story. That even after he lost everything, he still said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. What is your story? What is your opening statement? And what is the closing statement in your biography? Think through it as you seek the Lord to help you to have the right priorities in life. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, great is your faithfulness. You have blessed us and given us an opportunity to study your word and learn from Job. I pray, Lord, that you may guide us through our lives, so that you may set our priorities in order to seek your face daily, be our utmost consideration. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for finding time to be in God's presence. Let's look yet again at Job and see how he prioritized his life and learn from it. Till next time, be blessed. It has been nice having your company. In case you have any views, comments, or questions about the show, please send them to the producer, Adventist All Radio, PO Box 422-76-00-100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ak.adventist.org. Until next time, I've been a presenter, Sambal Mange. Remember, stay safe, stay blessed. Kwa